Hello and welcome to The Swim Brief. I am Chris DeSantis and I am joined as I usually am here on Thursday by Joel Rawlings. Joel, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Is the microphone good enough that when I sip coffee, does it sound like water flowing off of the mountain cliff there? I actually couldn't it, hear you sipping coffee. And I'm okay, so good. Then I, then I can still have that. Sl- All right. Yeah, the, the, so, the, so the chewing my sound. breakfast, that's out, but I can slam my coffee. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, Joel's promised me no chewing, even though he hasn't really eaten breakfast yet this morning. He's just starving, just staring at it. Yeah. 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 Um, we wanted to do, as we did last week, get these really sort of, we record on a Thursday, right? So we've, we've been able to see relays and then, um, you know, the prelims of the first first full day of NCAAs, but we just, you know, what we do here on this podcast, we, we jump right in. Um, we talk about some bigger themes of stuff. You saw a few things on the relay yesterday. I have a, a, a thing or two that I want to discuss just big picture from looking at that stuff. And we're going to get into that. But before we do that, as, as teased um, appropriately on the podcast, we have a new sponsor and that sponsor is the Magic Five. If people don't know um, what the Magic 5 is all about, these are custom-fitted goggles. Uh, so when you buy a pair of goggles from the Magic 5, you get an app on your phone. It will do a 3D scan of your face. And when you get the goggles, they are custom-fitted to your face. And I got a pair of Magic 5 goggles. People who listen to the podcast know that I'm back into competitive swimming. I love these goggles. Uh, they are by far the most comfortable pair of goggles I've ever worn in my life. And the thing that's really cool about them is because they're custom fit to your face, you can wear them significantly looser than your typical pair of goggles. So no more goggles like squishing into your eye sockets, no more sort of raccoon eyes after you're done swimming. Um, They're just really, really comfortable goggles. And uh, I've, I, I, I don't want to part with them now that now that I've gotten my pair. I know, Joel, you've been fitted. Um, you haven't gotten yours yet, but they're on the way. So we're looking forward to your review. But they're a sponsor of the Swim Brief. And that means that everybody that listens to this podcast uh, can get a discount. If you go to themagic5.com slash theswimbrief, you can get 15% off. You use that link, you get 15% off. Uh, a purchase of a pair of Magic 5 goggles, and you support this podcast because um, that's part of the sponsorship agreement. Every pair of goggles you buy actually uh, helps support us making this podcast. Um, as previously discussed on a lot of these these podcasts, we, um, we love doing this. We love bringing this stuff to you, and we've gotten a lot of really positive responses over the past, past few weeks. So we appreciate that. Um, but we also appreciate uh, that kind of support from it. Anything to add to that, Joel? No, no. I, I, I legit am excited about a pair of goggles. I've never been excited about a pair of goggles in my life until this week. So, yes, yeah, got, I'm looking forward to it. They've always been kind of just like a nuisance. Like, yeah, they're there, you know. But the, the, this is a pair of goggles I, I legitimately really enjoy um, wearing. And I can say, too, I, I've never really enjoyed goggles. So it's a great upgrade. Um, all right, let's get into some of this action. And we decided to, you know, um, I've been talking a bit about the technology and, and I don't want to bore people with the back end of this, but we, we've been talking about some stuff in terms of how people are swimming. And we made a conscious decision this time that we're going to be able to talk about this while watching some video of what we're talking about. So if you're listening to the podcast version of this, um, we're going to make an effort to discuss things so that, you know, you're not missing out on the experience, but this podcast is also going to be uploaded to YouTube. And if you want to see what we're talking about as we're talking about it, um, go ahead and get on the YouTube version of this too, um, because we're going to be sharing a screen and talking over some video of the first night of NCAAs. And um, Joel, I guess I'll start here. I, uh, I texted you last night. The 200 medley had gone off. Um, NC State obviously setting all the records with their 120.6, um, but a lot of other exciting stuff happening. Just start uh, start walking me through some of your reactions looking at that relay. Yeah. 
I, I was it was fun just kind of watching it uh, again. I, I started like on my phone and I have to squint down. I'm just kind of looking at things, and I I honestly think just um, it it kind of helps as far as like uh, just seeing movements and things like that. When, when you're looking for uh, you know fluidity of movement, it's kind of kind of like you, the things that that stand out are the things that are like exceptionally fluid or exceptionally like not working as well. And that, that's the craziest part is all these athletes are such elite level athletes, such high-end performers that all of a sudden when someone starts pulling away, you're like, what, what is going on? But actually yeah. the one thing that really stood out first, remember I like, what happened in lane four? And I believe that's, that's Tennessee, right? Where the, the backstroker, you're like, as soon as like, it was like, take your mark in the, the horn off, like, well, he, they're out of the race. That was it. And that, yeah. that's again, the amazing part about NCAA in a race like this. And I think what NC state in a sense has brought to the table in college swimming is is the speed and perfection of their starts, their turns, and things like that. Just nailing those relays. Uh, um, I think didn't like so Sam Cobb with like like Louisville or something like that. You sum you sum all of their relay starts up, and it's like some infinitesimal amount, like 0.1 seconds right. or something like that. Um, I so could do yeah, it in the if, background if not, here while you're talking. <laughs> if you're not on, then you're out. That, that's it. And and these are right. such big points to be there. But um, if you kind of then, so I, I stopped and just kept going back to the frame and you're looking at the backstroke starts, you know, a lot of people, especially when they've got that, that wedge in place, you know, their, their hips are up out of the water. They're, they're pretty high. They're explosive. Uh, there's one, I think down in lane two or three, I'm just kind of going off memory. So I'm sorry about like being off on the lanes. Um, I'm going to share the screen uh, while you do this. Okay. So. Well, great. There you go. Yeah. So, um, so again, lane four was Tennessee. And then uh, I think down in the bottom, you see someone that we, we called it a Japanese style backstroke start. I don't know if, if that's correct nomenclature, but I just remember in Japan, they were playing around with this a lot with uh, just kind of leaning back, head back, hips closer to the wall. And so just kind of, you know, you've done a lot with starts in the past. You're looking at joint angles. Um, again, okay, down three, in the, yeah. the third lane. Yeah. So he's pretty low in the water, but he's back. And generally from what I've seen, swimmers like with um, uh, smaller uh, frames. So their the legs, not as long of legs like that, usually do pretty well with this because you're already kind of leaning back. And so what I'm looking at anytime I'm looking at these starts, and, and definitely, I, I wouldn't call this my field of expertise, but I just kind of looking at like uh, their center of mass, you know, it's going to be in the hips and how they right. line that up behind their center of buoyancy to get into the water. And so you see across the field pretty much, everyone's fairly high in the water, except Tennessee, you know, he's kind of down in the water a little bit. And right. so looking at the joint angles, usually kind of looking for, you know, a good loaded position. So like around 90 degrees and so on, on go. You'll, you'll see again he just he doesn't get into the water as cleanly for some for some reason again i i don't watch his starts daily so i don't know what what happened here but it looks like the hips dropped or maybe right. flexed too much into that again so the center buoyancy dropped too far below the center of mass and so he wasn't able to kind of get that pushing so what i mean by that is you know the bulk of the weight is going to be in your hips and so if that is driving behind the center of buoyancy, you're, you're going to get, uh, you know, a really strong push. And then in the underwater movement, it's, it's that uh, dolphining movement, which starts from the chest. Again, that, that's what's going to drive that stroke and that breakout. And so you see into the first, you know, first cycle, um, and, and for people that are just listening to the podcast, if they, they cue that up, you know, he's already half a body length behind. Uh, you can look at the wake patterns off these athletes. Again, I was just looking at my phone. And so that's one of the nice things is you just kind of look at the splash. Anytime there's splash, obviously there's going to be energy that's, that's leaving the system. You know, it's going into the water and it's, you know, non-propulsive. It's, it's leaving the system. And so when you look at uh, Tennessee, there's a huge, huge um, bow wave kind of thing going. So he's pushing a lot of water for some reason and that's slowing him down. So he had a lot of drag right away. Uh, meanwhile, yeah. you can you look at NC State up and, and, and they're moving pretty quick. And so then yeah. going into that, I mean, that first wall, yeah, that race is over. You know, what, what are you going to do in, you know, with, with what, 170, 180, 180 yards to go? There, there's no way you're getting off of that. Well, I mean, one thing that strategically I think has always, you know, just been how it is. It's, it's, I guess I would, I almost said it's not fair, but, you know, it gets it is fair. It's just sort of the way it is is to me that 
on a 200 medley relay first I, I love having a conversation like this because you're right like it there's so many little um there's so many little details that have to come together to put together a relay for instance like the one that nc state had so it's just a great race where you see all four strokes lots of tiny little details um stuff coming together in a certain way um and but what I was going to say, what's not fair, I guess, or is fair, is that backstroke is the most important stroke on the 200 medley relay, um, especially when you look at a race like this, as, as you say. I mean, part of the reason um, there, there's an individual factor here for the swimmer from Tennessee has to do with some of the stuff that he did in the start. But there's also other people in the race. And now he's breaking out, you know, into the waves of the rest of the field. And that puts them at a disadvantage the rest of the way. And it's going to put their breaststroke at a disadvantage when their breaststroker dives in and has to swim through the same wake from the other lanes. So, um, you know, this thing has, it, it, this stuff has a cumulative knock-on effect. And if you just watch an individual leg, you know, in, in isolation from what's happening in the rest of the relay, I don't think you get the full, I, I think you're making a point here that you don't really get the full picture of what happened because it is influenced by, you know, your, your breaststroke leg is influenced by what happens in the backstroke. Your butterfly is influenced by what happened in the first half of the race. And even your freestyler on the end, right? right. If they have to swim through the entire field's wake at the end, it's going to affect how they swim. And, and I think sometimes we get caught up in the idea of, you know, that wave just being like, you know, th thinking about like, you know, the waves hitting your body, but, I think even more than that, it's the difference between like you're swimming in, in surf, like that white foam surf versus still water that's flat and has a different density and surface tension to it. And especially on something like a 50 where you're getting up and you're trying to hit cycle rate so fast where you're kind of, I, I don't know really a, a good way to explain it other than like you're trying to exert your will onto the water right. instead of kind of responding back with the water. So in a sense, there, there's a certain amount of tension that the water is going to have. And you want to apply, I, I would say just off the top of my head, that if you wanted to swim your fastest, you want to apply the same amount of tension on the water as the water's resistance is to you. That, that would be like, you know, perfect traction. Like if I'm trying to run on ice, the idea is like, I want to run as exactly as fast as I can without getting any slippage at all, you know? And that's right. the same thing as now all of a sudden, all he has is ice, well, not he, but Actually, yeah, all he has at this point, because his first two, three hand hits were, again, where he's trying to set up his tempo, he's trying to set up his stroke, it's in that whitewash. And so that water is moving a lot faster than it has, has a, a different density to it, and he's not going to be able to hold the water as much into that. And so, you know, kind of looking at this, one of the things that, you know, you, you always wonder, like, what's the next level going to look like? And, and that was one of the things I always try to think about when I'm looking at strokes is like, okay, well, if, if someone wants to go... 19 in the backstroke, what's that going to look like? And I think part of that is going to go back to that start. The idea is like, what's the difference between backstroke and, and freestyle? Obviously, the, the start, the, being able to, to hit the angle of the center of mass driving the center of buoyancy into the water, using the center of buoyancy as the, the tool in which you're going to go underwater dolphining with to get to the surface. And, and go from there. And I, I think just that angle, again, when you see the Tennessee person going off the block and just the, uh, the, the bow to his back like that, again, once that center mass for an instant isn't lined up and there might be a certain amount of structural tension that goes into the spinal cord that goes into the, the, the lungs in a sense, the lungs being the center of buoyancy. Um, I think, I think he lost something there. And again, what you know, I'm not trying to pick on Tennessee. I think it's such a progressive program. That's why I was kind of surprised to see them being off on this. But again, this is something that NC State or like if you look at Virginia's women, this is where they are on is all those right. little little points like that. You know, like they just, you know, they take a watch like, let's go five meters. How fast are you to five? All right. How far are you to 10? How far are you to 15? How fast are you going on each of these points and going back to try to find what point might be what was throwing them off on this race. So obviously well, the backstroke sets this the, up. Oh yeah, the, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, the question that I'm thinking of while I'm listening to you talk, Joel, is like, what would you say? So, I mean, I can imagine that some of these swimmers, like maybe to avoid picking on Tennessee, anybody that, you know, was swimming through a lot of wake in this field, they just happen to be in the middle of the pool. So it's, 
it's particularly dis- disadvantageous. Um, but anybody that's swimming through some wake, like you, maybe your breaststroker comes back, right? And of course, you know, we're, we're, we're already covering the ground of like, maybe you're not going to give technical advice later. But if you had a chance, you know, at the appropriate time to say to that person, and, and they came back and went like, I just couldn't get going, right? I was just, literally, they described to you what you're talking about, that they were swimming on ice. How would you prepare them for that situation? Like, would you, because, you know, part of me is listening to this and goes like, well, just make sure you're never on ice. But like, yeah, yeah, uh, you can't, you can't do that. Right. So like, how would you prepare somebody for that situation? What would you do? I I think this is one of those things where um, you you need to allow athletes to experience a lot of different, um, you know, varieties in practice. You know, so many times we kind of set the pool up like, you know, pools the same, you know, that, that old Hoosiers thing, you know, where, where he pulls out the measuring tape. Yep. Baskets, you know, same height as back at Hickory, that kind of thing, but pools right. different. Everything is different. Everything changes on each point of these races internally with, with, you know, acidosis going on. It changes with the depth, it changes with the width of the lanes, all those little things in there that, that coaches are always striving for, for their facility. But I think also just kind of like, you know, managing internally, what's going on kind of, you have this expectation, like I'm not supposed to be at these guys' hips. I'm supposed to be up there. And, and the, the, the challenge of the server being like over swimming that, you know, uh, swimming and chop. One thing that, that we did, um, and again, this is division three team. So doesn't, doesn't really mean it's going to help anyone's team other than it did pretty well for ours is, um, we would go every other lane. Actually, every lane would have, um, one of those thick bungee cords. And if we ever get a sponsorship for those, I'd, I'd, give them a shout out for sure. <laughs> and, um, so we'd have six of those and then we'd have, um, we'd pull all the lane lines out and then have swimmers in the, uh, in the, basically where the lane line would go. So it'd be like six swimmers with cords then five swimmers without cords. And the five swimmers would push off and, and they would start to sprint. And then the next group would go and they would go with the cords and they would start to sprint. And so you create this huge wall of water. Right. Where they would start to get it building up behind them and then they would race with that wall of water. So in a sense, they're getting kind of pushed by, by that wake. And, um, and so trying to get a feel for that, for, for being out and ahead, what are you going to do to manage that, 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 that extra speed you're getting, but then also doing it where, okay, they're going to push off maybe half a second slower. So now they're getting in that wake and they're getting surrounded by that wake and what they're going to do. And just kind of doing lots of little things like that and taking moments where they're like, what happened there? How did that feel? Is there anything I can do? And again, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty fun. It's a uh, non-confrontational just, just get out there and experiment with, with, with trying different things in, in, in different tempos, but more importantly, feeling how the water changes around their body versus, you know, I'm just going to put my hand in the water and rip it. This is about, again, tr- trying to create different senses. So in a sense, trying to make the water different densities a little bit, which sounds pretty esoteric, I suppose, in Northern California-ish, but that's kind of what it is, is a matter of just uh, getting it so that they have to slip on ice every now and then and just learn that, you know, you're going to have to change something in there. And me not knowing what that is, I, I always thought it wasn't a bad thing, you know, because again, right. if I over-explain it, like I'm ex- over-explaining it right here, it kind of kills that moment. You know, they have to internally <laughs> figure out what's going on and, and they need to internally figure that out. And it, it upsets athletes a lot. Like, you know what, just boil it down. Give me the answer, you know, black or white, just tell me which one I'll, I'll take that. You know, they, 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 they want, they want the answers to the test. They don't really want to learn what's on the test. And so same thing here is like, they want the answer. Like, I don't know what the answer is. You gotta, you gotta figure that out. And, well, and, um, so and if you teach, if you, you just, want. yeah, if you just get them to memorize the answer, like, okay, maybe they're going to be able to do something in a very, um, in a limited sense, you, you know, like, I think you're, you're, you're pointing to a piece here where as, as te- coaches, we always want to actually teach them the second thing. We want to teach them right. how to, how to figure it out themselves, because also just from a, um, from the, 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 the mental end of it, like that's, that's what gives you confidence. You go like I figured it out. I know what to do. Like you start to you start to trust yourself that you can respond dynamically in different situations, and it's not like because you know again in this race you don't have time to like the backstroker doesn't have time to pop his head up and go hey coach I'm swimming through a lot of wake here what do I do you know like right. you got to just do something you have to yeah you yeah. have to have some 
some sort of, as you say, practiced response to that. All right, should we watch Marshawn's 50 breaststroke or what? Yeah, that, we... was, that was the whole thing I was trying to get to when I, when I let's, saw this. But then right there, you're like, oh, let's, let's stop. What's going on here? Yeah, let's see. All right, let's, all let's right. We're going to... We're going to do it. Um, and, it, you know, we're in the we're, prelude we're to this is what I love about it is, is I saw the final split already. It was like 22 two. And usually, right. you know, again, a guy that's so great at 400, I am 200 breaststroke, 100 breaststroke to do the 50 breaststroke like he did, I think is just amazing. Absolutely spectacular. In, in that, again, it's like um, his stroke is all about striking kind of that line, that distance per stroke where he's like I, going off the top of my head, I think it's 200 breaststroke was three and fives all the way across. And here he went like, you know, four to six, I think. I, I didn't count that time. I, I counted it fairly late at night. But I, I always liked counting strokes just because, again, I had a lot of kids in the water. And, and for me, the tempo watch was really a great tool to have. But it was hard for me to kind of sit on that the whole time. So four strokes on the first 25. It's a basically exact. And then, yeah, and that's the thing is he's hitting those walls money, you know. Three, three, four, five, and then six on the second twenty-five. And you know what makes a great um, podcast is when they listen to two guys sitting there counting one, one to six. <laughs> the, 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 the audio I, portion of this that be just yeah, you and I, I, I counting that's strokes. How, that's how Stretch Cords is finally going to become our big sponsor, is because we can count to six on our own. Um, but again, that <laughs> that change in tempo. So without the without having a watch, without having any technology, just knowing they're able to change that tempo. And I remember, you know, you, you watch. You know, I always look at kind of look back to like Kitajima's breaststroke and just the fluidity that that has versus the PD, which is just you know raw power tempo, hips driving forward. And I think Marshawn strikes a really nice balance as far as like being able to lunge forward and what I, what I think is going on. And so on that that pullout that we talked about ad nauseum on, on that Marshawn 200 breaststroke, I think part of that is on his underwater. He's really setting up with that air in it and kind of that, the, the platform that he uses to dive off of and that platform being um, the lower part of his pelvis. So from mm -hmm. there, as he draws the hips forward, it kind of creates like a, a, a platform that he surges with the upper body off of. And so that he drives that forward, he brings the kick in behind that. So it's like you're kicking a moving object into a line, which is, you know, no doubt he's swimming. Of course, he's moving forward. But because that surge comes in and then the kick powers through, it doesn't have to be like a power kick. It's a tempo kick, which is, a, you know, obviously it's a lot different when you're doing a 50 like that. It's usually just get up and go, go, go. Here he's able to, again, get a good point where he's anchoring the water with his arms. He's holding a spot in the water. He's driving his hips forward to that anchor point. And then he surges off of that anchor point. The anchor point again is, is the lower platform for for um, uh, from his like lower abs, top of his hips, the pelvis area, and, and he surges off of that. And so what I kind of look at is again when he gets out, I always just call it the Y press, where he's out to the corners of his stroke, whatever you want to term it as, and the in sweep starts. That becomes the point where I'm going to kind of look at his distance per stroke, where the hands are. It's kind of like holding himself in, in a spot. Like if you, I think about like a downhill skier pulling themselves through the gate at the start of the race. The hands are that anchor point. And as the hips curl underneath him, um, again, it, it creates kind of that, that, that bow from – you draw a bow from like his lower back up to the top of his head. That loads up energy. He springs forward on that. And that the weight of his torso pull starts to pull him forward. And then you boom the kick and it's kind of like throwing in an afterburners on the end. So he's already moving forward explosively fast using his core. And then he drives forward with the kick a little bit into a line. And obviously with the 50, he's not looking to hold that line for distance per stroke like he does in the 100 or 200. This is all about just getting into the next stroke and hitting again. And that's why he goes again five instead of three um, and then sixes. Yeah, this, four, this, four I, this, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then like this, I just freeze framed on this for a second while you were talking, because I am just fascinated to see, I mean, so I think you make a, a point about the fact that um, it is very, very rare that you look at the best. I, I would like to know when the last time the best 400 I ever at the NCAA championships was also the fastest 50 breaststroker on a medley relay. Like that th is yeah, extremely, exactly. extremely uncommon. And I think if you look at this field, 
you know, and you just, I think if you just made a lineup of all these guys who are swimming 50 breaststroke, I would gather that Marshawn is probably the smallest guy. Like, you know, these are, these are physically imposing in comparison to him guys. I mean, just like by, by sheer body mass. Right. And I just freeze frame on this pullout where, you know, the rest of the field is behind him. Okay. And everybody has started swimming and he is, he has not kicked up into his stroke yet. And then he takes six strokes. Right. Like it is, it is, it is um, just the, just the structure of it is so different from um, a lot. And it made me, it made me think that we're pretty close to seeing a 21 um, split on 50 breaststroke. Yeah, I definitely uh, be, think so. Like I, I think as you, you said, if you if you pause the, pause the video at any point on any of these, whatever you know, again, if you're listening versus watching this, you're going to have front you know resistance in the front. That bow wave, you see the splash going forward, is the body striking forward. And I always kind of look at what direction that splash is going. Is it going straight up, which is basically just energy totally being lost in the system? Is it going forward a little bit, meaning that the body is landing on that bow wave? and surging and kind of surfing down, but then also looking on the backside, like especially the lower back, the hips, how much like a, a vacuum wave turbulence again is, is back there as well. And so that, that's the other thing that they're fighting. So they've got the head wall, but they've also got the vacuum behind them. And basically how they're evading the water is really what's going to um, get them going the best. And, and a friend of mine said that his high school coach said all the, all the best breaststrokers were, were the laziest people ever. And he meant that in, in a good way, Chris, I, I know you're, you're very hard. <laughs> wow, I'm taking for, that so personally right now, Joel. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, but it's because they have to be lazy because they, they, they have to evade the water. It's such a high drag stroke that they're evading water at all points. And so you've got, you know, they have to evade the water in the front in a sense where they're skimming across the top. And again, using their body like a surfboard, landing on that bow wave and, and driving it forward. And also evading the water that's coming from the back, from the back, which is again that that suction and force back. And so, I really watch, especially as they fatigue out on that lower back, how much how much water are they in a sense carrying on their back uh, versus what you see with a lot of these these great breaststrokers is it's almost like it stays dry the whole time. Yeah. Okay. So I want to transition to the 800 freestyle relay, and as we make that transition, you didn't want to watch NC State's fly. That fly is amazing. All right. All right. All right. Fine. All right, fine. We'll do it, Joel, just for you. Okay. So because I'm have... watching Marshawn's breaststroke, you're just you're stuck there looking. And this is the thing that again, where where I get pretty excited. I'm glad you you slow me down sometimes about stuff like this. Is the idea that you know okay, all these sorry. athletes are are so insanely good. We don't even have to see the video, but the idea again that when someone takes off and does something differently, that's so why I usually don't like to look at the times first because the times you end up kind of using as justification. Well, whatever they've done is good. You know, 22, yeah. two, therefore everything in that was perfect rather than that idea again. Well, what's a 199 backstroke look like, or what's a 21 breaststroke look like in your head? Like you start to think, what are those things going to look like? What are the drag forces going to come on? Things like, and so you start to think about that. And again, when you assign the number too many times, it's like th- that becomes, well, that's perfect. And then where, where are you going to go from there? And, and so what I, I loved again was the exchange of that butterfly or again, just skimming across. And you can see again, when you're watching these flyers, all the short axis strokes, how they're kind of using uh, the, the pelvic wall to, to use that as like a springboard in a sense to, to keep going forward on the stroke and driving and uh, getting the distance per stroke from that. It's almost like a small platform that they go forward on. I think too many times we get caught up on what's moving. Look at the arms, look at the catch, look at the power, look at the strength versus what's yeah. the core doing. What's the wave around them doing and, um, you know, the efficiency of the movement again, because at a certain point, you know, what water's going to win, you know, you, they're at, at three meters per second, that head wall just becomes pretty fierce. And if you're not doing something right, um, it, it's, it's going to catch you hard. Yeah, it's, it's exceptional. And I mean, even, uh, you know, you said like one of the points you keep making is, you know, watch, watch, watch that bow wave also watch what's happening behind them. And I think that's an exceptional part of this butterfly. Um, I think it, it's, um, it's Gristania, right. That was swimming. Um, my look for NC state. Yes. Yeah, Gristania going 19 one down there. So, um, 
you know, Corstania, uh, and the piece where he, we, we cue it up, right up in, up in lane six. So here on the video, right. And so right there, I mean, basically, yeah, he's almost caught up just on the breakout alone. And again, that's, I think where NC state excels at. And it's, it's really fun for me to watch that. It's kind of like, you know, I think so many times we're like, you know, freestyle is where it's at. Everyone wants to do a 50 freestyle. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. I, I want to, you know, I kind of want to see the, the fly and the breaststroke again. The, the, the strokes like that, uh, again, seem to make or break so many of these relays like that. But again, we talked at the beginning about Tennessee. I mean, look at how much they had to do, how much work they had to do to get back into that race. And again, it's already over. Uh, but yeah, but again, just, no- just an yeah. amazing two medley. It had a knock on, right? Like, I mean, you know, you would, you would on paper, you'd go, well, they have crooks on fly crooks did an 18 on fly at SECs. And I think crooks like this morning, he was exceptional in the 50. He was 18.2. He looks like he's right on for this meet, but I'm, but, but what I'm guessing is that if I look back on that video of when he was going 18 for fly, I bet the water was a lot cleaner than this instance, right? And here he is, as you said, he's swimming on ice and maybe he's capable of the same split, but instead, you know, result wise, what did Crooks end up going? Only 19.2. And then I say only 19.2 because it's like so exceptionally fast, right? On some scale. But, you know, like you said, you were talking about totaling up the, the, the relay splits and I was doing some of that in the background. I mean, you have relays on here where the total, the sum of their relay starts is three or four tenths of a second and if you you know if you um had decent relay exchanges maybe you were six or seven tenths of a second cumulatively on your relay well three tenths of a second made a big difference in terms of placing (laughs) in this relay so it was not it's not it's not insignificant um in that respect okay let's switch over because um and i and i want to say this in the transition as we go from one relay to the next um I just on a personal level, I this is probably the most excited I've been for an NCAA championships in I don't know how long. Like I I am just an extra level of into this meet. And I, I think I have to give credit. First, let's give credit to the teams that are have historically in, in my lifetime brought it to this meet. I mean, um Texas, if you looked at the pre-meet psych sheet, they looked to be um not even in contention for this. If you look at this morning's prelim session, it's like, oh yeah, they're in contention just like they always are, right? So they're there. Cal is um, doing everything that they're supposed to do as far as, as far as, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And Arizona State, I think they're the ones who really, they, they brought so much excitement to this meet for me because it's just like, it's just somebody new, right? It's just somebody else in the mix that we haven't seen for quite some time. And I think NC State is swimming exceptionally as well. So, you know, just to have the meet not be a foregone conclusion and to have teams like contending at the top, I mean, it just makes for a really exciting competition. Um, and I, we don't and always one, get that. One, re- one team I really like to watch too is Louisville. Uh, yeah. Louisville is just always does such an amazing job at NC's. You know, they really seem to... Um, you know, t- take another gear up, which is also really cool. Again, and one of the things you, s- you were mentioning, like with ASU, usually like you see every now and then, like, you know, a team will slip a couple in there. Like you're like, oh my gosh, where did this guy come from? You know, he's out of like, uh, like, let's just say like a Montana. I remember years back, they had that breaststroke or, was, you know, or something like that, where you're like, or was that Wyoming? I think it was Wyoming. Yeah, Wyoming yep. yeah, but but again, you're like, you'd see one, but for ASU to come out of nowhere, and it's like not out of nowhere with one swimmer, it's like, Dang, <laughs> they're 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 stocked, and they're they're going to be a, a top three team, right. and and yeah, that is kind of a kind of a, kind of a cool thing. Like around you know basketball time, where we always think about like the Cinderella stories in, in swimming. Really, you know, you can't do that. You know, you can't just out scheme another team. Either you have the horses or you don't. And all of a sudden, to come in with that the kind of uh, talent and firepower that they have is is amazing. Uh, it really is. It's it for them to come on the scene. And it was, you know, again, you think back when, you know, 80s and 90s, you like you just before before the meet would start, I don't know, it's going to be Stanford, it's going to be Texas, it's going to be Georgia. 
Yeah, one of those three. It's just going to be like that. It's done, and then everyone else, fourth to sixth on down. And all of a sudden, Cal starts coming in. And all of a sudden, well, it's Auburn. like Cal. We have the Auburn era. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just Auburn yeah, exactly. Year. Auburn, <laughs> even a little bit earlier. But, yeah, so that that was the thing that's pretty cool is, again, all these teams now have, have a chance at it. And um, I wonder, too, if it, part of it is, you know, with all the recruiting changes, you know, some of these people that might get overlooked earlier, they're able to go somewhere else. And, um, you know, in, or, or find a good fit, or maybe it could just be the internet where you're able to kind of, you know, look at what other teams are doing a little bit more than ever before and kind of find a, a program that's, that's you know, a, a good fit for what, you know, what your athleticism needs. Yeah. So Texas gets 12. Um, this, yeah. This too, I mean, in the 200 medley relay, they were 122.9, which, you know, for those of you um, interested in history, not not with the same tense, but 122 was a winning time in this relay as recently as 2019. So not that long yeah. ago. But anyway, Texas, you know, is 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 just a couple tenths away from not scoring in this Correct. 200 medley relay. And then, you know, if you wanted to have your moment of like, ah, finally, we can stick a fork in Texas. Those were those those. 50 minutes or whatever between the 200 medley relay and the, and the 800 free relay, that's all you got. Um, because they, they, uh, come out, they, they, they set a, uh, American record in, um, or sorry, NCAA record. I don't know if everybody's American. I think they are. Um, but anyway, one record or another in this 800 freestyle relay, you don't listen to this podcast for accuracy of who broke what record. Um, I want to watch this because I don't want to, I want to watch two pieces of it. I actually want to watch the lead off again with you from Hobson from Texas and just get a couple of your thoughts uh, right off the cuff while you're watching it. And then um, I want to watch the anchor leg where we have Carson Foster anchoring for Texas and Marshawn again in the water um, for ASU. So I'm going to bring up uh Screen share. You can talk over it as we uh, as I prepare. Yeah, one thing I I was thinking of with uh, with this eight hundred free relay, how one swim on the back end by Marshawn almost took all the conversation away from an NCAA record relay like this. I mean, that's just how amazing his anchor split was. But Texas's relay again is just just amazing. I mean, from the start, you're like. Again, these are all such elite level athletes to pull away like that is is unbelievable. And what really strikes me is just again how he's setting his walls up so far away like that now. You know, yeah. uh, um, again, I'm always thinking like center of mass is driving the center of buoyancy. And you're getting into the walls, he's really again keeping that momentum in the hips, if this makes sense. So that's driving behind the center of buoyancy. He's pressuring down into that center of buoyancy and getting that rotation over. So it's not so much about like throwing your legs at the wall. It's kind of like Lochte's turn where again, it's, it's about taking that momentum and transferring that momentum into the rotation and then just jumping off the wall. Right. And each it's, wall it, just, just so clean. Yeah. It is. It is like, it is, it is freaking me out as I'm watching it. You make a good point about the turn because my mind is going, he's too far. He's too far. He's too far. Right. And then right. he's not, you know, <laughs> he's actually set it up almost as good as I've ever seen. And, and so not to, you know, take away the, the, the shine from Texas here, but that was kind of like the idea with Marshawn in his, in his dual meet swim versus his uh, Pac-12 swim was again, he just, he, he was, his nervous system was just kind of catching up to that speed. It's the same thing here where these guys are hitting their turns so well. Again, we're, we're to be able to kind of know where their speed now and know where they have to hit their turns is is pretty cool to see. Um, again, it's, it's such an exciting relay to, to watch. Again, for them to pull ahead, where what were they almost? The leadoff is like what four yards ahead of everybody. Yeah. I remember like um, when I coached at uh, at TCU way back in the prehistoric times. I was like at morning practice for a uh, dry land, and I thought they'd set the jump boxes up to a height where coaches could come in and, and lean on with their elbow and drink a cup of coffee. And then this one guy walks up, he's like, excuse me, coach. And one of the basketball players, he just starts jumping up on the box that I was just leaning on. And, you know, it's just, I'd never seen anything jump that high and that quietly before. It was like, like a, like a cheetah. The guy goes to the NBA 
he's on, he's the 12th man. He gets put in and basically, you know, the commentators are just what a poor chump he is, how unathletic he is, <laughs> you know, but it's like, and it was, so when you see him compared to other NBA players, yeah, he's unathletic. When you see him in real life, you're like, no one this big has ever moved that fast before. And so the same right. thing here is like, you're like, oh my gosh, look at this field. These are such amazing athletes. I mean, these are the best athletes in the world at their craft. And to be four yards ahead is just so insane. Right. And and well, again, I, I really think there's something with this the sloping kind of stroke. We we hit that ad nauseum, I think, probably about a year ago or and before the Olympics, too. I, I honestly think that there's something going on with the pressuring in the chest on the water. It kind of one thing is obviously that stroke opens up that window for the inhale, exhale. So again, you got that air coming in, air going out. Again, you get you have to be able to time that, which is the cool part about swimming, I think, is, is that your stroke tempo is going to dictate the amount of time you're going to get in for air and exhale the air. So you're blowing off the CO2. We talked about that before. The idea that that's the breath trigger is the CO2 accumulation. And so I think part of that is that loping stroke kind of creates this tempo that they're able to regulate that breathing and obviously regulate everything internally, what's going on. But also that pressing in the chest is kind of like um, I, I've seen those hydrofoils that, that people surf on where you're kind of pressuring the water to get electric speed. I wonder if almost like they're using their torso like a hydrofoil to get more pressure on the water and, and get a little more surge when, when that arm comes around the surface of the water. So again, not thinking so much what's going on under the water, but thinking about what's going on over the water. So the pressure downward motion with the chest as he finishes the inhale, throwing the arm. And again, kind of creating that chain that's going to drive chest, arm, hip, pulling everything down into uh, into the stroke. But again, it's you see almost, these, these turns are the things that really catch my eye for, for Texas right now. Yeah, and I I'm mean, sorry, I, I, I would say what caught my eye more than anything, I'm just watching this again, is, you know, you, you, you um, have Carson Foster who's swimming excellently mm-hmm. <laughs> on the anchor for Texas. Um, and, uh, Marshawn is like the, he's like the shark from jaws. Like yeah. you just, he's just reeling him in. And I remember watching it live. And of course, Rowdy, Rowdy's doing the Rowdy thing where he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He can't catch him. He can't catch he him. Can't, he kinda, he's like, he's setting himself up for the, I can't believe he caught him. Right. You know, that kind of right. moment. Yeah, and I would love to. I would love to kind of know what's going on through through the in the relay's mind. We're like, oh, we've got this. This is this is amazing. You know, just kind of like, just suck it in, enjoy the crowd, and, and then also like, dang, he's actually kind of on my heels. Yeah, it doesn't uh, yeah, that, feel that, safe. That, that closes insane. It doesn't feel safe at all. I mean, it, and 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 uh, I had to look again. It's good to watch the swims and then look for the splits later i had to look later and see that foster did 130.1 and he was just getting reeled in i mean he, he like 128 <laughs> well i guess when somebody goes 128 and you go 130 then it does look like you know you lost a lot of ground or that they caught up a lot of ground right but um you know see he's swimming excellently on the end of this and um and yet it, it does seem to come. We could go back to your point, and, and then uh, I want to bring this one to a close. You talk a bit about um, some of this stuff with the with the the chest and the, the center of buoyancy. I mean, I think that um, I guess one of the ways I've always heard this discussed, and one of the reasons um, I. I caught on with some of the things that Milt was saying, and it just made a lot more sense to me was, you know, people always talk about swimming, right? Like on top of the water. And then I think a lot of people are going to hear what you say about like um, pushing that uh, center of buoyancy down. And they're going to think like, well, that's stupid, Joel. Like, why would you swim lower in the water? But that's not really that's not really how you view it. Right. As, as, as like a higher or lower, or I guess I, I should say on top of, or under the water. Right. Yeah. I, I think what, I guess I'm trying to figure out why I started kind of thinking of, of stuff like this. And, and I like how you say a lot of people that hear me. So all eight people that listen to this podcast, yes, there's, there's, all eight people. W- they're listening. Like, what are you talking thousands about? Thousands and thousands of downloads. Thousands. 
Are you, you got to start making start that joke something besides my hoodie, huh? Um, I, I think one of the things that I looked at was the idea that I, you know, I can't outpower a Texas. I can't out train a, a Florida. I can't out train any of those teams. We didn't, we never had the pool time. We never had the pool space. We didn't have the same athletes. So, so what we had to do is think about basically how are they evading the water again? Cause you can get a small guy to do that. You're, you're pointing out those backstrokers are huge. The breaststrokers are huge. You know, Max McHugh's, He's a giant. He's a walking right. mountain of a human being. And I'm never going to see an athlete like that in my life, in, in my pool that I'm coaching at. And so uh, it was the idea that what are we going to do to offset that power? And so what we can do is we can evade the water. We can, we can lunge into a line. And then you're like, okay, now you're in that line position. Think about like a, a surfboard moving in the water is one of the things I always thought about was when I'm on the board, and you pressure the board correctly. So again, it's sinking down in the water and you have that wave coming behind you. you that's what causes you to surf down is you create that pressure. And now you're, the water's responding against that pressure and your body's responding against the water. And that's creating some momentum versus if all of a sudden I power it and I stand too far on the back end of the board or too far in the front of the board, I just crash into the wave and it's all over. And so the idea of kind of getting that, that is something that again, like you said, a smaller person can do, you know, a smaller person can kind of tr control their mass in the water, can control how their center of mass is lining up behind their center of buoyancy. And then thinking about how you're going to connect that with the internal structures from, you know, the, basically from your, your chest bone all the way down to your sacrum. And, yeah. and, and so I think that's what, what I try to look at in, in freestyle. And I'm trying to look at it in breaststroke and, and all those strokes is just, again, how that's lining up and how, the center of mass is going to be driving that center of buoyancy and how that center of buoyancy can help pull the center of mass. And then thinking about what the weight of the arms, and this is the, the you know, the classic Bill Boomer kind of a thing of what, what, what's the weight of the arms, the weight of the head, the weight of whatever it is that's being thrown over the surface of the water, how that's pulling those two things down the pool as well versus the, I'm going to strap on some paddles and I'm going to hitch myself up to the power tower and we're going to just pull some heavy buckets and get going. And again, more, more power to the people that have that is just, that was a, a tool we didn't have. And that was an athlete I didn't have. Um, and so that's, that's why I kind of look at it. And so a lot of these athletes, yeah, they, they don't, they don't need to have perfect technique. You know, they got a nervous system that can accommodate a lot of load. And again, that's, that's really cool. And I'm, I'm not knocking what they do. That's, that's very impressive. I'm gobsmacked as anyone. I mean, watching Kate Douglas and uh, Marshawn right now is, is a pretty, pretty cool time in the sport. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the story I always tell that I think goes in the line with the one that you said and why I think this conversation is so important. When I was coaching at Georgia Tech, a um, couple guys that I had that were sprinting there. Okay, one of them was he's maybe about five foot nine. He he weighed 150 pounds on a good day. The stuff that he did, and you said like I'm really into starts. The stuff that he did in in terms of a start, probably the best I've ever seen. Okay, just just um, every every piece of it, how, how the whole movement came together. Um, I wish I had some videos still <laughs> to, to, to watch and enjoy and think about how, you know, I could get other people to move the same way. Um, and there was another guy who was all over the place, uh, but he was six foot five and 200 pounds. And one day I just decided I'm going to come in and I was going to measure like how good everybody was at a start. And what was my arbitrary measure they came up with? I, I timed their head passing 10, passing 10 meters. What do you think was faster? The guy who did everything right, but was five, five, you know, five, eight, 150 pounds. No, the guy was six foot five and 200 pounds. Like it didn't matter that he didn't move the same way. And then, and you can take away from that. You can go, well, I guess, I guess it doesn't matter. Or you can take away from that, you know, that it's worth actually investing in some of this stuff, or you're always going to be playing the game that's rigged out of your favor. Like, again, most of us do not coach the most talented, most physically gifted, most um, physically dominant people in the sport. And we're trying to be successful. We're trying to be competitive. We're trying to help the people that we coach to be competitive. Um, and are we going to just look at it 
and try to do um, a, a lesser version of what some other people are doing, or are you going to try to come up with something to give yourself an advantage in that situation? Yeah, I think, and I, of, I think the last backing on what what you just said there again, that what I would look at too, because again, I'm not going to get that, you know, Hulk smash dude on the water where he's going to beat the guy to 15 meter, but that was one jump. You know, you're going to do the mile. You got a lot more of those jumps coming. And so eventually that dude is going to fatigue out. And so as long as you take the athlete who's the smaller or whoever's going to listen or whoever can figure it out, actually, it doesn't matter if they listen, if they can figure it out is, is really the, the, the point. So if they can figure it out, the idea that everyone's going to be fatigued, and what they need to do is they need to take whatever energy they have and put it into something that's going to get the most bang for their buck, kind of the money ball aspect of swimming. They're going to get the most out of, again, getting into an alignment, getting their body into that surfboard shape where, again, their, their center of buoyancy is, is getting driven by the center of mass. Everything's lined up. They're using their core muscles to keep that, that engagement. And then in the end of the race, that, that's that's where I want to see happen. That's what that's why I want to measure the six five versus the hundred fifty kid. After right. sixty six jumps, who's winning now? And so the idea of kind of like taking a race and building it backwards, and that's what I loved about breaststroke because it's pretty simple counts. Like, let's just say you have sixteen really good strokes in you. Well, how we're going to get it so that sixteen you're almost done with that race? Versus, well, we're just going to muscle through it like we always do you know <laughs> let's I, just do 16 and we'll have 17 through 23 be awful but you know we'll just hang on for dear life yeah <laughs> and, and that kind of goes back to the last podcast we talked about with like what do you say at the end of the race because i'm always getting super jacked up at the idea like oh there's so much more we can do now like and then also in the same i have to temper that back because i'm just saying that it was a great race but there's more and so again you, you never stop to smell the flowers in the sport because you're like oh so I could have gone better than my best time. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but that, that, that's kind of the fun is trying to balance that as a coach. You're like, you know, thinking that in your head, not saying that out loud and thinking how we're going to build the bigger, better, you know, model next time around. All right. Well, thank you, Joel. Thanks for coming. Thanks for uh, reacting to all this stuff and, and, and sharing everything. Thank you to the Magic Five. It's themagicfive.com slash the, the swim brief. 15% off on a custom fitted pair of goggles, positive psychology content in bite-sized form, Instagram, Christy underscore coach, Facebook, CD swim coach. And um, anything else to plug, get on the YouTube. If you want to watch video of some of this stuff, it'll probably get um, um, de demonetized, but I don't monetize my channel. So you're, we're all safe. <laughs> I think one thing you should swim, look at too, for, for the video that we used because it was yeah, better so, yeah, than definitely. the NCA video. Um, yeah, SwimSum did a great job. But also uh, one of the guys I've been talking to is thinking a little bit more about the pelvic floor and how that's utilized. Uh, if you go to Instagram, slow-mo swimming guy, uh, he has some, some really cool stuff up there. So Instagram, that would okay. be a, a great guy to check out. Oh, maybe we need to get him on the podcast. Slow motion. No, I, I'm afraid to, because then I am useless. That guy sees stuff way better than I do. I, I wish you're, I had you're out of here. I know. That's why I don't take a day off. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Joel. And I'll see you again in a week. All right. Thanks. Bye.